Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our service this morning, whether you're with us here in church or looking in from home. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to also welcome Reverend Dr. Norman Hamilton to the pulpit. It's a bit of a surprise for him because Reverend Alvin Little, as you know, was down to take the service this week, but Alvin has tested positive for COVID and Norman has kindly stepped in at late notice to lead our service. So Norman, thank you so much for doing that. It's always a delight to see you in Ballycrock and thank you. Uh, Mark will return to his duties on Tuesday, but if there's a need for a minister in the meantime, please contact any elder or contact myself. Now, next Sunday is Young People's Day, so please, please make every effort to come and support our young people next Sunday. There's also prayer time next Sunday at 10 o'clock in the quiet room, and that's open to every member of the congregation. So if you would like to join with that, you will be very welcome there also. In your order of service this morning, you will have seen a reference to Sunnyside House. There is a need for staffing. Please look at that carefully, and if you can pass it on to someone, or if you're interested yourself, please do so. And now I come to some very sad news. You may be aware that Janice Bradley, well-known former member of our congregation and wife of our former minister, Douglas, passed away yesterday. To Douglas, Caroline, Nikki, Michael, and their families, we extend our love, our sympathy, and our prayers. There is no detail of funeral arrangements yet, but when we receive those, I have no doubt they'll be shared with you in the Ballycrocken update. I do know that the funeral will be in Knock Presbyterian Church. Those are our announcements this morning. Norman, would you kindly please lead our service? Thank you. <clears throat> well, good morning, everyone. Nice to be back with you again. I exchange the, uh, the gloomy skies of Ballymena for the sunny skies of Ballycrocken this morning. The weather changed as I drove from, from Belfast. Lovely to be with you again. And for those of you who are joining us on the live stream, can I say it's lovely to have you with us uh, digitally, if not in person this morning. My wife and I have family over from Australia at the moment, <clears throat> Evelyn's sister and her husband, and we spent a couple of days in Donegal at the beginning of the week, which was great. The sunny skies of the Republic, I may say. And um, as we were touring the Indusian Peninsula, there were two churches in the middle of nowhere. One of them is Malin Presbyterian, and the other one is the Catholic Church about a mile away. Does anybody know where I'm talking about? Many people know where I'm talking about. If you know where Malin Presbyterian is. Well, it's not exactly in the middle of the town. <clears throat> and um, well, there's a wonderful strand there. And we were walking on this. We were coming off the strand. We met one of the locals. Got into conversation with him. And I asked him, why are there two churches in the backside of nowhere in this part of Inishowen? I then got, I thought I knew, but what he said confirmed what I had thought. The penal laws of a couple of hundred years ago 
prevented both the Presbyterians and the Catholic communities from meeting in their own building in church. Those of you who are historians will know about that. So in Mallon town, there is a Church of Ireland church in the center of the town. But the Presbyterians and the Catholics had to meet in secret, uh, miles away. <clears throat> and the local was telling me that on a Sunday morning, this is the point of the story, people would have walked three, four, even seven miles to be able to meet in a field, either as a Presbyterian or as a Catholic, away from where, the, from where anyone would see them. It is very easy for us to take for granted the fact that we can come to church on a Sunday morning. Very easy because we're comfortable. We can drive in our cars. There's nobody watching to see where we're going. We don't have to meet in secret like our forefathers did. And if you're in the Ukraine today, this morning, you would be meeting in secret. At least you may well be in an underground bunker. We have friends in the Ukraine and they meet in a home. And I'm telling you, I'm telling these two stories because <clears throat> it, for most of us, it's our practice to be in church on a Sunday morning. And I think what I'm trying to say is that we must not take the privilege and the freedom and the opportunity to be in church on a Sunday morning for granted. It didn't happen in the past. It's not happening uh, in many parts of the world, in Ukraine, and in many other parts of Africa and the Far East. So we'll just take a moment to give thanks for the privilege of meeting here this morning. Let's pray. <coughs> Our Father, we are grateful for the, the opportunity to be here this morning. We're grateful for the ability to be here this morning. We're grateful for the freedom to be here this morning. And even though, Lord, you know that for many of us it is our normal pattern, we do ask that you will enable us not to take the privileges and the delights of this Sunday morning for granted. You have brought us here for a purpose. We have met not only to worship you, but to be an encouragement one to the other. And as our service unfolds, we pray that your Spirit will take every part of it and make something worthwhile of it, both for us here and now, and indeed for eternity. So we're glad to be with you and with your Spirit present among us, and we commit ourselves and all that will happen to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And we come, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I haven't got COVID, I've just got a week, something from my breakfast a couple of hours ago that, <laughs> that's uh, stuck in the back of my throat. Um, we're here to celebrate the love of God. Here is love, vast as the ocean. There are a couple of children around. Do you want to come up? to the front, because I want to have something really, really special to show you, but it's quite small. So if you want to see it, if you want to see it. This end? So nobody wants to see it. 
Well, if nobody wants to see it, nobody wants to see it. Okay, well, um, <clears throat> um, I'll just tell you what it is, but I won't actually show it to you if you're not up to see it. That's not a threat, it's just a statement of fact that there's nobody here, you can't see it. But you might change your mind. <clears throat> it's in this box. And the adults can play as well. Does anybody, apart from the folks who are on the desk, they know. But would anybody like to hazard a guess as to what is in this box? Now, I'll give you one hint. It's not heavy, okay? It's not heavy. Mouse. Not a mouse, no. <laughs> or not even a dead mouse, no, no. <clears throat> Sorry? No, no. No. Does anybody want to come up and see it? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to come down to the front and I'm going to open the box. And if you want to see what's in it, you can come up and see it. All right. <clears throat> now, oh, no, if you want to see it, you can come up. If anybody wants to see it, they can come up. Good on you. Good on you. Come on. Come on. <clears throat> Now, do you know what it is? A nest. It is. Now, anybody else want to see it? <coughs> now, do you want to hold it? Yeah. Now, don't squeeze it. It's a wren's nest. Now, don't squeeze it. Have you ever, ever had one in your hand before? Never had one in my Right. <laughs> what do you think of it? Is it soft? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, sorry, that's okay. That's right. Now, <clears throat> describe it to me. Tell everybody else what it looks like. <clears throat> Have you ever seen a rat's nest? Possibly. That's a definite maybe, isn't it? Have <laughs> <coughs> you ever seen a wren's yes, nest? We have some at home. Well, there you are. Oh, wow. What's that thing that he dropped? What, sorry? What's that thing he dropped? Is that his? Oh, it's just a bit of plastic. It was in. It's nothing special. Is it not yours? It is mine. <laughs> sorry, I thought it dropped out of the box. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Describe it to me. What strikes you about the nest? Well made. Well made. 
Hmm? Anything else? What's it made of? Moss and have you ever seen one before? Leaves. You want to hold it? <coughs> Isn't it? It's incredibly light. Well, I find that about. Do you, want to, do you want to hold the nest? Okay. A couple of weeks ago, when I was cutting a tree, a wee tree in our garden, and the wrens, I knew there were wrens around last year and this year, but I hadn't, I had, hadn't seen them building the nest at all. So there they are. So, your son, and it is the, th the thing that I know your camera can't pick it up, but one of the really fascinating things is about how beautifully it's made on the inside. I mean, it is exquisitely made. Uh, it's almost as if it was stitched together. Right. I'll, um, and I'm sorry for pinching your bit of plastic. <coughs> now, I want, to, I want to go on a wee bit from that. Um, <clears throat> it's only a wren's nest, whatever I mean by that. But there's a very, there's a very interesting verse in one of the Psalms. Does anybody know what it is about nests, birds' nests? Presbyterians and the Psalms. There is a verse about a bird's nest in the Psalms. Any takers? Yes, Psalm. Do you know what Psalm it is? Do you know how it begins? Billy, can you just play off the top of your head? How lovely is thy dwelling place. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. This is definitely a DIY morning. <clears throat> Psalm 84. Here we go. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> How many of you know this one? How lovely is thy dwelling place? Well, Psalm 84 says this. In the modern translation, birds find nooks and crannies in your house, O Lord. Sparrows and swallows make their nests there. They lay their eggs and raise their young, singing their songs in the place where we worship. Have you got a belly? Could we try the opening verse, those of you who know it? 
Well, we'll have the first verse. Let's see how many. This is an education for everybody. Pardon? Yeah. Oh no, we know that. Well, we'll stick with the one you've got. We'll stick with the one you've got. Let's try the first verse of it. Let's try it. Okay. One, two, three. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me. My soul is law. The courts of the Lord to see. Guys, thank you so much. Didn't know you had this. Do you have the next verse? <clears throat> there we go. <clears throat> Even the sparrow finds a home where he can settle down, and the can build a nest where she may lay her. Let me explain why we're doing. Let me explain why we're doing this. On many church notice boards, and I should have checked before we came in. Many church notice boards have the phrase "Everyone welcome." Is that what it says on your notice board, by any chance? I, I don't know. It does it. Yes, it does. Right. <clears throat> That is really important for the children. It's really important for the community. It's really important that Ballycrocken, like all our other congregations, are a place of welcome. <clears throat> and the point I am making is the Lord welcomes the sparrows, the wrens, the swallows into his house. That's what we've just been singing about. That's why I brought the bird's nest. If the birds are welcome in the place where God is, how much more are we? And it is really important that anybody who dares to come through the front gates of Ballycrocken knows they are welcome. You'll probably, that's what you'll probably remember from this morning. But that's okay. I'm very happy with that. So let me pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for the welcome that we have to your house this morning. Invited to worship. Been able to come, as it were, through the very doors of heaven. And even the, the birds are singing the praises of God. And are welcome as it were, before you and into your place. And we do pray, Lord, that you will not, that you will prevent us from taking for granted the privilege and the opportunity and the welcome you give to us and indeed to everybody else, that we don't take it for granted.
So, Lord, just help us to take this little psalm, Psalm 84, on board. With the birds being welcome, how much more are we welcome by you? So we bring our thanks and our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Where was I? Where was I? <coughs> ah, right. We are going to have another, another praise item. My God is so big and so strong, and he also makes bird's nests. And if anybody wants to see the inside of the bird's nest, if you ask nicely afterwards, I'll let you do it. Okay, thank you. <coughs> Just before the children leave, I should have asked the, the folks on the desk to bring up a picture. And if you can't find it there, and bring it up. It's not coming up great. But actually, it's a picture in... Oh yeah, there we are. That is a picture inside a bird box in my garden. I have made a few bird boxes and put cameras in them. And that's a great tit sitting on seven eggs in a bird box in our garden. If you look carefully, there she is sitting sort of slightly with her head down to the, that's her head down to the right and her tail sticking out on the top left. Just magic, just magic. And they, since I took that, five of the eggs have hatched and we're now watching them being fed. But that's, that's for another day. Okay, thanks very much, fellas. That was great. Thank you. I think we bring our morning offering now, if I remember, uh, and the children uh, go out for Sunday Club, if I recall. Thank you.
Great. You're a star. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Well, let's give thanks again. Our Father, we are very grateful for what you have given to us, what you have done for us, for who you are, for the blessings for our minds, our bodies, our souls, every part of us. And so we bring our gifts in genuine thankfulness this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we come to pray for uh, a wider world, I don't know about you, but I often feel inadequate in doing that. But we are invited to do so, and in the course of our prayers, we will, of course, pray for uh, the Bradley family and after the passing of Janice. Let's pray, if we may. Our Father, in this very, very troubled and fractured world, we come with our prayers. And we're really conscious of just how inadequate they are. There is so much that we don't understand. The words fail us. What we see on our TV screens horrifies us. We are way out of our depth in understanding, never mind having to live through so much that is evil in your world. And so, Lord, with great humility and a sense of inadequacy, we come to pray for a wider world. We come again to pray for the people of the Ukraine, to pray for their leaders, whether they're political leaders or military leaders, and maybe particularly this morning for church leaders, as they battle at every level with what they are having to endure day and night. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, who even as we are meeting right here, are meeting in bunkers, in homes, wherever, to offer their worship to you. And we do pray that you will <clears throat> visit them in a very special and particular way and strengthen them for their witness to you in the midst of war. And Lord, we pray for the church in the surrounding countries who are having to, or not having to, but are warmly welcoming so many of those who are escaping the war, but who are utterly destitute who are traumatized and for whom the future is incredibly bleak. And we pray for grace, for wisdom, for all that is needed for the church in the countries around Ukraine and indeed wider to care properly, to care as best they can in your name. 
And Lord, the pain and the distress in Central Europe is echoed in many parts of Africa, <clears throat> in parts of the Far East, in parts of the Americas as well, with war and earthquakes and floods and tsunamis and experiences that are completely new for so many people that are terrifying them. Lord, we, we just don't get it in terms of the devastation, not only physically, but in terms of, li <clears throat> in terms of life itself and mental and psychological turmoil. So, Lord, where your people are affected and where your people are seeking to minister, we pray that your Spirit on this Pentecost day will visit them in a very, very special way. And Lord, as we pray for our wider world, we pray for a more local world. We pray again for government in our land, and you know our feelings about that, and you know the pain of that. We want to pray particularly for Sunnyside this morning and the needs that are there we thank you for each and every member of staff and for each and every resident. But we long that the ministry of Sunnyside will be strengthened. And we do pray, Lord, that in your providence you will bring to Sunnyside the staff that they need. And Lord, if we can help in any way, we pray you will prompt us to do so. We pray to you, Lord, for ourselves as a congregation, for Mark and for Ben, for Rene, for every single person who's a member of this congregation or who takes responsibility for its ministry. We pray that you will widen our horizons, that you will give us confidence in your purposes for us as a congregation. And we want to pray, of course, particularly for the Bradley family after Janice's death. We thank you for Douglas, for those of us who knew him, for what he meant to so many here. We pray for the family, for Caroline and Nikki and Michael, and indeed for the wider family circle as they mourn the loss of Janice. Many of us know what it is to lose a a member of our close family. And so, Lord, from our own understanding and our own experience, we pray for them all again this morning. And Lord, you know our own needs. You know the things that are on our minds, things that are troubling us, as well as the, the hopes and the joys and the expectations that we have. And we bring our own needs to you just now. Lord, we are so grateful that we don't have to face any day or each day without you. So grateful that we're not on our own. And thank you, Lord, for the promise of your Spirit to comfort, to be our comforter and our guide 
day in, day out. And we pray for that for ourselves, for all whom we know, for all whom we love. In Jesus' name. Amen. You not need me to tell you that there's lots of things that are way beyond our capacity to fix. And uh, our next hymn seeks to pick that up. Father, I place into your hands the things I cannot do. very glad that um, Billy chose the hymns this morning, and um, he had a, um, I sent him um, the PowerPoint that we're going to work our way through earlier on, and thank you, Billy, for choosing hymns that plug in really well to what I want to share with you from Matthew 6. So we'll bring up the first slide, if we may, and then I'll, I, I'll in due course, press the wee button, take it on from there. And the, there we are. It's also on widescreen, um, if you want it. What's on your mind? <clears throat> Health concerns, perhaps? Maybe. In fact, very probably. Maybe the schooling of, your, of the children or the grandchildren and all the cuts that are going on. Just the fact, maybe, of growing older. Somewhere the cost of living crisis will figure in that, I think, because the price, as we all know, the price of electric and petrol and food 
is up massively in the last 12 months. And of course, if you have a mortgage, you really are feeling the pinch. And you may even be thinking about the election results, or maybe not. But lots of people are really struggling. Lots of people have lots on their mind. And I'm well aware that you may be among them. The cost of living crisis is affecting Northern Ireland in a big way. Let me give you some figures that were uh, given last, last month, no, about a fortnight ago, from the Trussell Trust in Northern Ireland. The Trussell Trust are the folks who run most of the food banks in our churches. Let me quote you. 81,000 81, emergency parcels of food were provided by the food banks in the past 12 months. And more than 35,000 of them were provided for children. And the number of parcels that they have given out is up 140% since uh, over the last five years. The increase in need is extraordinary. And we may be reaching a stage where the demand on the food banks outstrips the supply. So if you can, when you uh, have the opportunity to contribute to your food bank, please, please do it. What's on your mind? <clears throat> What's dominating your thinking? Well, with that in the background, let me take you to Matthew 6. Well, there's it on the slide. Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. God's word to us, Matthew 6. Do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, 
and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And I'm able to watch that happening in, in my own backyard, as it were. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of them. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and we've been singing about that, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think we know that, don't we? This morning's reading, those verses from Matthew, are not as straightforward as they may seem, because we do need to think about all sorts of things that are happening to us, whether it's our food, whether it's our mortgage, whether it's the education of our children, whatever it is. So try and hang in with me, if you may, if you can, to get a grip on these words um, as best we can. There are two tiny words in the, in the or phrases in the passage that give us a good handle on what they're about. The first one is the word, therefore. And the second one is from verse 32, that about the pagans running after things. What Jesus is saying here follows on and depends on what he has just said. It's, they're not sitting as it were, do not, do not worry, do not be troubled, do not whatever it is. It's not just sitting there in an island. It flows from what Jesus has just said. Because what he is saying in this long sermon is about real priorities that will count in eternity. First things first. Being part of the kingdom of God. Letting God's reign be shown in the way we live, in the way we think. And when that happens, a number of things flow from it. And then he begins to spell them out. So he brings up a series of opposites. The first one is from verses 19 to 20. Therefore, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
If we are concerned about building the kingdom of God, if we are concerned about honoring God personally in family life and community life, we need to be very careful that we are not sidetracked into storing up treasures on earth. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then the next, as it were, temptation, the next set of opposites. Understand that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. The opposites here. This is a really interesting one. What attracts us? What do we look at that we find fascinating? That's a really interesting question. Is it what we see in the shops? This is what our eyes long to have. Do they see it and then they long to have them? What do we look at when we look at other people? Are we looking at the way they appear on the outside? Or are we looking through that to the person they are? The eye is the lamp of the body. If what we're looking at is healthy, then the whole body, life itself, will be full of light. But if what we look at, our eyes, are unhealthy, if we're looking at stuff that we ought not to be looking at, then the whole body will be full of darkness. So what are the treasures that we're actually after? What, what is it we long for? What are the things we look at? Are they worth looking at? Or are they a problem? And then the other opposite, the two masters calling for service, God and money. Nobody can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Of course you need the money to buy the cornflakes. Of course we need the money to pay the mortgage. Of course we need the money to put the petrol in the car. But which is actually more important to us? Getting the money or honoring God? The money is needed, but is the need so great that it squeezes out the God on whom we are dependent? Getting ever more stuff, to use that horrible modern word, getting ever more money grabs our attentions and our energies and takes us as an entirely the wrong direction if we claim to be followers of Christ. So there are opposites every day, things we look at, the things we're wanting, the things that we value, our treasures. 
And the Lord is saying to us in these verses, have we got the balances right here? Or are we a bit skewed, a bit off beam, a bit off the wall in what is precious to us? Now, the big challenge, of course, at least one of the big challenges of this is that in the wider world, every day we are being bombarded, absolutely bombarded, by ideas of getting more money, getting more stuff, looking at things and seeing things that are seriously unhealthy for us. And there is a big battle, and I know this in my own mind and my own soul, there is a big battle to keep our eyes fixed, to keep our values fixed, to keep our desires fixed on what is honoring to God. Many things are good. We do need the money to put the petrol in the car. So having the money to do that is a good thing. But the core point that Jesus is getting at is this. Are we getting hijacked by things we ought not to be getting hijacked by? Which comes first for us? Sorry. Let me go back a bit. Which comes first for us? the needs of the body, the needs of everyday living, or putting God center stage each and every day. Now that is a, I just said, let me say it again, this is a constant battle. As the pressures increase, whether they're from health, whether from money, whether from wherever, as the pressures increase, the pressure to push the Lord more and more to the edges increases as well. And if we're in any doubt about the importance of getting first things first, just look at the battle for our allegiances Look at the battle for your attention that comes from Tesco or Asda or Lidl or Spar. The loyalty cards, the home delivery, the deals of the week. We are bombarded by people who want our allegiance, our attention, our resources that God has given us. We have to respond to them. Again, I say we need to buy the cornflakes. Of course we do. But what's on our mind? What is really mattering to us? Living in God's light or actually dabbling in darkness? Longing to have treasure in heaven or getting more stuff in the house? Longing to have more money or longing to honor the Lord with the money that he has given us? Which comes first? 
And out of the passage comes the second big issue, and it's a really big one, about trouble and worry and worrying. Now, in no way, in absolutely no way, do I want to diminish or set aside the huge concerns and the fears and the worries that anybody has. We all have them in our families, amongst our friends. As I said to yes, somebody, to, as I said yesterday to a friend, there's an awful lot of pain around, and worry afflicts many of us. Some of us more than others. And there's an awful lot that the Scriptures say about worry, and I can only at the, just touch the surface of it in the next couple of minutes. But one of the key ways of addressing our fears and our worries is this one, and it comes from verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Trouble and worry are not the same thing. We may worry because there is trouble, but the fact of having trouble is not of itself the need to worry. We are all fallen people in a fallen world. Everything is broken to a greater or lesser extent. The world is gray. Not every things are, very few things are completely right or completely wrong, completely good or completely bad. Trouble is built into being human. Worry is not. We all suffer because of the arrogance and the selfishness of Adam and Eve in the garden. The book of Genesis makes it clear that sin explicitly brought that fracture, that trouble, into every human life. So we can expect to face trouble and troubles. And sometimes we face them on a huge scale. And it is really, really important, because I've come across this very often over the years, it's really, really important to say that there is no clear or direct link between the life you lead and the trouble that may come. People have often said to me, what did I do to deserve this? Well, answer probably nothing or very little. Trouble is built into being human. There is no link between the life you lead and the trouble that may come your way. So where do we go with this? Well, let's see if I can, there we go, sir. It's important that we start, if we are followers of Christ, by bringing our trouble and worry to the Lord directly. That is really difficult at times. It's often been my experience, people in, in need, they say to me they can't pray. I understand that. And that gives an opportunity for those of us 
who are with them, as it were, to do the praying with them and for them. Because when big trouble comes, to use that wonderful uh, Northern Ireland word, it really discombobulates us. It knocks us off track. But because we're knocked off track means that we need to find the help of God to face the trouble that we are in. And that really links into, as it were, the, the other thing that I want to say. Facing trouble and worry needs pastoral care. And Mark may chop, I think Mark might chop my head off for saying this, but pastoral care is not limited to what the minister can give, and Proctor probably would agree with that. Pastoral care is what every believer can and has the privilege of giving to others. And I put on the screen there, pastoral care being openly sought. It is no sin to say, I need help. But we're very reluctant to ask for it, aren't we? It's seen as a sign of weakness. But in the Scriptures, we are constantly told to love one another, encourage one another, build one another up, be generous one to the other. The number of times in the New Testament that believers are told to be supportive of each other runs into dozens, dozens of times. The minister, of course, has a key role here, but if it's left to him, it will not happen on the scale that it needs to happen. All of us need to be open to receiving it when we need it and give it when the opportunity arises, readily given. And maybe really difficult to receive it. Most of us are very private, and yet the Scriptures are full of the picture of Paul constantly talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. The, the church family is to be a place where we give and receive care and love one for the other in the name of Christ. And my experience has been over the years that when that happens, when that happens, then the fellowship strengthens and people are blessed. So coming to church on a Sunday morning and people say, how are you? Can I say, if you're not feeling great, just say, well, I'm not feeling great. We don't need to pretend with each other because the, and we don't need to pretend with the Lord. The Sermon on the Mount, those three chapters at the beginning of Matthew, have been described as counter-cultural. They go against the ways that 
are thought about and the ways that are happening in a wider world. They are counter to what is happening in the wider world. They are countercultural. And it is getting harder and harder to be countercultural. So I want to encourage you as best I can to make sure that in Ballycrocken and in elsewhere, whether it's in work or in family life, that we are living each and every day conscious of the purposes of God for us, wanting God, wanting us to live in a way that is honoring to him, whereas the way what we do with our money, the things we look at, where our hearts and our affections and our treasures are, whether it's in dealing with anxiety or trouble or fear or worry. God wants to be, as it were, the one who lifts us and guides us in ways that will be good for us, both in daily life, in the troubled days, and of course, into eternity. What's on your mind today? Quite a big question. And out of this morning, I would trust that there would be something from this passage that would steer you in a way that will help you to handle today and the pressures and the demands and the expectations more in tune with God than maybe we have been able to do recently. Let me pray, if I may. Lord, you know what is on our minds. You know the things that trouble us. You know the relationships that are a bit tricky. You know the things we desire. You know the things that we really need. You know what is happening. And you know what is going to happen. And Lord, sometimes we do feel as if we are adrift in a raging sea of worry and fear and need. And so, Lord, we ask that even something from this morning, from your word, will, will bring quietness to our souls and our minds, will give us confidence in your purposes for us, even in the midst of our worries and our fears and our needs, and that you will help us to focus day and daily on what really matters and not to be hijacked by the pressures on us or what others expect or demand from us. So Lord, each of us and every one of us, we come to you in our need and we invite your spirit on this Pentecost Sunday to enter us 
and take charge of life for us so that we're not like the pagans running after things we ought not to be running after and we are not tossed about by what is happening. Lord, where we need strength, we pray you will give it to us. Where we need wisdom, we pray you will give it to us. Where we need to be rebuked, that we will hear that rebuke. Where we need to be built up, that we will be built up. And that life will be the better in every way because the Spirit of God is in charge. So thank you again for the privilege of this morning together. Thank you for those who have been able to join us in the live stream and those who will be able to join us by the recording. For each and every one of us, we give you thanks for each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we pick up what we've been thinking about in our final hymn, Seek Ye First the Kingdom of God. Now, Billy tells me that you're good at singing this. Or maybe he was telling me a lie, but we'll find out. So, um, one half sings the chorus. No, so one half sings the words, and the other half does what? Ah. All right, so we all sing the verse. Then the angels over here sing the verse again, and the non-angels over here sing hallelujah. Is that it? Okay, let's try. First the kingdom of God,
great. I couldn't help but notice as we were singing, knocking the doors shall be opened unto you, the doors opened without us having to knock at that exact point, however. Let's, our Father, we do want to thank you for this morning. It has been a privilege to know that you are here. And as we leave here and go into a new week, not knowing what it will bring, we pray that there will be cause to sing Alleluia. And now we look for the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pray and look for it in Jesus' name. Amen.